Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco Business. My guest today is Andrea Kosar. We talk about how her career as a newscaster prepared her to lead the Syntex Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and she shares what's ahead for Latino business owners in 2023. But first, it's the Business Review with C.J. Jackson. I can't decide. I'm C.J. Jackson, and this is the Business Review. People who are naturally averse to making decisions but motivated for closure tend to sidestep the process. Dr. Ashley Otto, assistant professor of marketing, gives insight on who they are and how to resolve their aversion. So what we found out is that people who are naturally averse to decisions are people who are high in what we call um, a need for cognitive closure. So these are people who hate openness, hate ambiguity and uncertainty. They want firm answers and they're decisive. And so what we've discovered is that people engage in what we call decision sidestepping. Otto's research says that this behavior is revealed by choosing the status quo, the default option, or repeating past decisions to streamline the decision-making process. They don't want to spend time grappling over the process and trying to sift through things and find the best solution. They're looking for something quick, but also credible. When it comes to consumer decisions, noisy environments, crowds, and time pressure prompt a need for decision-making help. If we know the context that the consumer shopping in, we can start to figure out how aversive it is and then how to help facilitate these kind of sidestepping options to simplify that decision. Maybe it's an expert recommendation. Maybe it's reminding them of something they bought in the past. Maybe it's telling them what the majority of consumers are doing. So from a marketing perspective, having this knowledge of the context that your consumers are shopping in, they're making decisions in, is particularly useful in that it allows you to tailor how you help facilitate that decision process for that consumer. The Business Review is a production of Livingston and McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. The Business Review can also be heard every Thursday during Morning Edition and All Things Considered on KWBU. I'm now joined in studio by Andrea Kosar. Andrea is the CEO and president of the Syntex Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to Downtown Depot. Thank you so much for having me, Austin. Can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to Waco? Oh, man. Well, you know, as a kid, I moved around a whole lot. And I think either when you get to college or after high school or after you're finished with school, um, you finally get faced with a choice of where you want to be. And um, I started my first year of college in my hometown and which uh, is where Florida Gulf Coast University yeah and so um, you're from Florida for, <laughs> for the most part I guess I would say I spent high school in Florida okay. but 
um, I went to like 14 schools in my lifetime, so gotcha. kind of from all over. But the first university just wasn't really for me. I took a year off of school, and then I was faced with getting to choose for the first time in my life where I wanted to live after moving around so much. And Waco was it. I really wanted to go to Baylor. And, you know, as an adult, I've spent most of my adulthood here. And I, I would say I'm Waco in since it's the longest I've lived ever, anywhere at this point. How did you even hear about Baylor when you were a kid in Florida, moving around to 14 different places? A lot of my family members had either gone to Baylor or West Point. So that was kind of the two main paths in my family. Okay. So you came to Baylor for school, mm -hmm. and I know eventually you ended up working for KXXV, the cable news channel, being a newscaster. Uh, how did you end up in the studio? Were you studying broadcast journalism or something like that at Baylor? Yes, I majored in journalism um, with a concentration in public relations and also education. So I would keep tabs with some of my professors and catch up. That was the great thing about Baylor was the professors cared so much about you while you were in school and after as well. And so I um, kept up with the professors there. And Bruce Geetson was one of the amazing Baylor professors in the journalism department. And I caught up with him. And I was really trying to get my master's in journalism, thinking there was no way to break into the news world. And uh, Professor Geetson really helped mentor me and guide me and teach me all about news, everything. He would let me use some of Baylor's equipment, really went out of his way to help me out. Um, and so I had put a reel together and sent it out to a bunch of different news stations. Um, and, you know, it, one of them ended up being Waco's news station at 25 News um, that had given me a call back. And I was super excited to be able to make my way back to Baylor or back to Waco, rather. I think um, you might know, you know, as some of the generations that have come out of Baylor and the schools here in Waco, it's, it's hard to break into Waco, or at least it has been in past years. And I think we're finally seeing a change of trying to keep folks who have studied here and, um, you know, some of the amazing locals in Waco uh, in, in their younger years, which is great. When were you working for KXXV? I worked there from 2018 to 2020. So you had a front row seat on a lot of the changes that were happening in Waco, what were some of your lasting memories of, of being on the news beat and covering Waco News for those three years? Well, you know, the news world is really tough. Um, you are lining out details for hours a day, um, especially as a news anchor. Um, you do so many different shows. So I had co-anchored the morning show and then solo anchored a midday show. So all morning I would line out all of the details a lot of times of really horrific crimes and then, you know, come back at it at noon and highlight more details and do it for days on end. Um, one of the hardest stories to cover was the Midland Odessa shootings. I didn't sleep for weeks. <laughs> and um, so it would be really, really tough to navigate that because uh, there's something called, I think it's a secondhand PTSD where you might not have been one of the first responders to see that scene. But once you're covering all of those details, you start imagining it in your head as if you were there. And uh, it, it became really tough. And thankfully, out of that, um, you know, I really wanted to be able to cover positive stories. And so the news station allowed me to start a segment called Positively Central Texas, where I would be able to go and report on wonderful people, wonderful organizations and wonderful businesses making positive changes here in Central Texas. 
What were a few of your favorite stories that you got to tell as part of that Positively Central Texas segment? Oh, man. There was this group of women at a church in Bosqueville who just, I mean, out of the goodness of their heart, would go and cook. Um, I think it was on Friday mornings. They would start cooking at like three or four in the morning and cook and cook and cook and then just go drop off food for the week at people's doorsteps. It just... I mean, for no other reason than just to make sure that the community was there and anyone was open to signing up for that. That was something that I just thought was so incredible and found some really resilient folks here in Waco. Um, Brenda was another story that I had covered. Uh, She is a woman who was, I mean, she's a veteran, a war hero, and now um, is suffering from ALS. And her family out of that has made so many Wonderful, positive contributions. Um, Is she the lady who's obsessed with elephants? Yes, exactly. Okay, I follow Brenda's story on Facebook. Brenda's journey. Yeah, yeah, Brenda's journey, that's right. Because her son, Nate, Nathaniel Gay, Mm -hmm. he was the head chef at the Hilton. Yes. Back when I had my uh, Pokio store at the Hilton. And he now does this restaurant, Uncle Worms. He's working with Worm. And oh, I didn't realize that Yeah, so Nate's doing the chef-y stuff, and Worm is working on the smoker but yeah, I need like, to get caught up in this. And I even did one on you, actually, Austin, with Pokios and all that you guys were doing to connect with um, Keep Waco Beautiful and the river cleanups. And you guys were uh, giving back for folks who had cleaned up. So that's actually my positively central Texas. Out of that came our friendship. I remember that. That was the f- the very first time we met. I yeah. Think. And we had just sponsored Indian Spring Park mm-hmm. downtown. And if you are a local business and you're looking for ways to give back, this park sponsorship is an amazing way to do it. So much has happened in Waco since then. Do you miss being part of the news world or are you fully enjoying being in your seat at the Hispanic Chamber now? You know, I get that question a lot. I think it's hard to leave the news world, especially, you know, when you go through school and a lot, for a lot of newscasters uh, and reporters, this is your dream all growing up. And you go through school and you, you know, finally either make it to the market that you want to be in or it's your hometown or, or wherever and it's hard to walk away from something like that, especially if it becomes enveloped into your identity. And so, you know, walking away was absolutely tough, but absolutely the, the right decision for me. And now in this new role, what's really cool is I still get to do a lot of storytelling. I get to learn about small businesses and individuals who are making a difference here. And now I get to connect with all the reporters and say, hey, you should know about this. You should know about this business. You should know about this person. You should know about these leaders. And this is great work. And then they have the deadlines. <laughs> they put the story together. So it's storytelling in a new way. And it's 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 just exciting. What experiences or skills that you picked up during your journalism career directly impact what you're doing today outside of just understanding how the PR and the marketing world works? Hmm, That's a great question. I think, you know, you have, you know, you have a really great responsibility um, when you are talking to a large audience. Um, And like you said, it's all about asking questions and letting the experts talk. And I realize I don't know everything. And, you know, as, um, a news anchor, a reporter, a lot of people see talking heads, people talking at you, but you are literally quoting experts or bringing experts into the room or asking the questions. And so I get to um, do a lot of bringing the experts in um, here in, in our content. We're putting together programs 
to help small businesses. And we're just putting the pieces together. We're connecting our small businesses with the resources, with the experts. And uh, that's been, I think, really huge is to just put the puzzle pieces together and put the right people in the room and get everybody connected. And, you know, Waco's so collaborative and it's such a great city. Uh, I feel like it's small enough, too, where you're maybe one or two people away from knowing everyone. Um, so just being able to connect our small businesses with experts and then also different audiences through connecting them with the media has been great. You're hearing from Andrea Kosar. She's the president and CEO of the Syntax Hispanic Chamber. What are some of the biggest issues and after that, the biggest opportunities that are facing the Latino business community in Waco right now? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of exposure. So going back in, in history into Waco, um, you would see Calle Dos, which is right by Indian Springs Park, where Indian Springs Middle and that section of Waco is. That used to be largely Hispanic. I mean, you see the beautiful churches there with a lot of uh, elements from Spain, Spanish elements in those churches. And um, there was a lot of Hispanic culture that was there, a lot of Hispanic businesses and communities right there in downtown Waco. Then you see urban renewal come through and start pushing communities outside of downtown Waco. And then you talked about a lot of the changes that have happened in the last 10 years that um, make it hard to kind of break in or break back into downtown Waco. And so now the Hispanic community is so spread across Waco. And so we have a really large opportunity to connect in different spots in Waco, but it can be really tough if you aren't in downtown Waco, especially you're not getting all the tourist traffic. You're not getting the traffic of the Baylor students who just want to hop across the street. So if you're over on 19th Street or if you're over on 25th Street, um, you're not getting the exposure of the larger Waco population. So it's an opportunity for the Hispanic Chamber to say, hey, you should go into this place. You know, if you there are some restaurants in Waco, like uh, Lupita's, for example. Uh, I think that when you walk in there, it's just a new experience and you're transported even out of Waco. You know, that's such an authentic restaurant to me. They're not trying to be Waco or Texas or anything. Um, they're just being, they're just a multi-generational family business. Um, and they have amazing Mexican cuisine and they're trying to break into becoming a bakery and just restaurants like that. That's, those are the opportunities that we have to be able to highlight. The 25th Street corridor, at least as long as I've been in Waco, has kind of been the spine of the Latino business community. Is that still the case or or are these Latino businesses moving outside of 25th and trying to puncture other pieces of the Waco market? Well, I mean, we have such a large Hispanic population in Waco and in Texas. So the Hispanic population in general isn't just in one area. The highest concentration of Hispanic-owned businesses would be on 25th Street. But, I mean, our, our Hispanic community is everywhere in Waco. So we do have a huge interest in really t talking more about the culture that already exists on 25th Street and pouring into what they need without necessarily the gentrification. Um, there's the Hispanic Chamber that wants to see 25th Street succeed and be have you know its identity and its presence and its beauty really demonstrated throughout Waco alongside other organizations that are also looking into those same goals and the city of Waco also has an interest in seeing 25th street thrive as well um, but you know there's uh, again like the Hispanic business community is all over Waco 
Andrea, one of the changes that you have made with the chamber is that your offices are no longer here on LaSalle and you guys have actually moved downtown. Yeah, that was a really exciting opportunity for us. Our lease had ended on um, on LaSalle in that building and we were looking at the future of the chamber and we were presented with two options. I think a lot of our chamber has been built around events. So we had the option to continue being based around events for our members or being based around the actual members themselves. And so for us, we looked at, okay, if these events continue and we are trying to support small businesses, are is that fair to ask a small business to you know sacrifice having one of their key employees at the business and go off to a networking event? That's that's not always fair for small businesses. So instead of asking everyone, hey, come to us, come to our building, come to our office, come to our events, we have changed that chamber model to okay, we are going to come to our members' spaces. We're going to bring the events to you. We've had a lot of great floating events. Um, Cafe Pan Dulce is one of them. On the first Friday morning of each month, we have picked a different member location to host a networking event, which has been great because you have all these people come into your space. You can show off your space, give a tour, show off your awards, show off your team, show off, you know, the the culture of your business. And that's been so successful. And some of our events have been floating. So we are just changing all of our last events to be floating. So now our luncheons are going to be in our member restaurants. We're going to be doing office hours in our members' restaurants, furniture stores, in their coffee shops, all over Waco. And it's a win-win for really everybody because we are making ourselves more accessible in different points throughout the community. So if anyone has questions about resources as a small business, we're going to try to come to every neighborhood in Waco. Um, And if you are wanting exposure for your business. This is a great opportunity for hosting something. Um, And then it's also great for us to get a lot more plugged in with our businesses. So if I'm a community member who's craving a concha and a cafecito, I'm allowed to come to one of those events, right? I don't have to be a small business owner in the Latino community to interact with you guys and build relationships, right? Yeah, all of our events are inclusive to the entire community. Uh, so we are the Syntex Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I would separate Hispanic and Chamber of Commerce. We operate as a Chamber of Commerce. We are here for the business community and we are here for the Hispanic community. So it's it's both, right? Um, you know, thankfully we have three Chambers of Commerce here in Waco. Uh, we share very similar interests with the African-American Chamber of Commerce in who we serve and how we operate and the challenges that we face. Um, And then we also have the Greater Waco Chamber of Commerce that sees things differently and represents a different community and represents a different business community. So we're really fortunate to have all three here in Waco. If you can be a member of one, two, three, awesome. Uh, We we collaborate a whole lot together, which is which is really great. Um, But you have all three of us here. But as a Chamber of Commerce, we are here for the business community on that end. And we focus a lot on small businesses and medium-sized businesses, and that is inclusive to everyone. Is there anything that you've learned from these leaders of the other chambers in Waco that are helping you as you're still relatively new in your role? Yeah, you know, thankfully we have such a great relationship with CTAC, the Syntex African American Chamber of Commerce. So John Bible came in at around the same time as my predecessor, Alfred Solano. And they they both faced similar challenges. I mean, they came in in 2019, right before the pandemic. 
uh, circumstances seem to be a little bit similar in both of their chambers. Their ideas seem to be very similar. So they had developed a really great relationship between the two of them that really opened the doors for our two chambers to collaborate a whole lot more together. So that work was being done, you know, thankfully before I had even stepped in. And so when I had come into this role, John Bible stepped in as a mentor immediately. He came by, he would come check on me at the chamber offices and he'd sit down for hours and give me wonderful advice. Hey, have you thought about this as, you know, a chamber president? Hey, are you considering this? Um, What are you going to do about this? And really has just been so encouraging. So our two chambers work very closely together. We have an alliance called Starbridge. The SeaTac logo has a star on it. Our logo has a bridge on it. And we're just trying to show the community, hey, you have resources between the two of us and we will pool our resources together, our teams together. We'll be there for all minority communities. There isn't an Asian Chamber of Commerce here, but we will be here for the Asian community, for the black community, for the Hispanic community, for everyone. The city has started this grant program, the We All Win program. Are you guys involved with dispersing any of those funds or helping small businesses who want to find those? Yes. So that's another thing that um, SeaTac and the Hispanic Chamber are working alongside the city to get the word out about. It's a great resource for small businesses here within Waco City Limits. And I mean, it's not very often that you have an opportunity at a lot of free money for your small business small businesses, and especially after the pandemic, um, a lot of, you know, businesses, especially the small businesses were affected, um, whether you got sick and were hospitalized and had to step away from your business and lost clients through that, or, you know, whether your business was affected by a lot of the construction that was happening when people weren't on the roads and um, whatever it may be, this money is for small businesses to apply for. And I mean, there is some eligibility criteria, um, there, but there are three different types of grants that are available through We All Win. And if anyone is a small business who's interested in learning about that, then they're welcome to come join us at office hours, join us at one of our events, come by our office, shoot us a message, and our Hispanic Chamber team is happy to walk people through that process. What does the chamber look like besides you? Is this a one-woman show? No. Is there su- <laughs> what does the support look like? Oh my gosh, we have an amazing team and a very active board. So we um, we have our economic development director, Eric Tarasis, who is constantly coming up with new ideas to help small businesses. He's coming up with new ideas for programs. He's connecting with different experts that would be fantastic as speakers and teachers um, in our different programs. And then we have Dietrich Thurkill, who's been with the chamber for 10 and a half years. And he, oh my gosh, he's amazing and knows the ins and outs of the chamber world and has been so connected with the other chambers his whole time here. And so he's fantastic. Currently, our board chair is Herman Pereira and our vice chair is Bridget Hines. And we have an amazing board. And uh, even since they have come into their roles, you know, have really activated our committees and brought a whole lot of organization into um, how the board acts and how the board is um, contributing to the Hispanic Chamber. It seems clear to me that you care about a lot more than just the Hispanic community in Waco. You are and your team are empowered to be fighting for minority businesses of all stripes and all colors. And one way that we've seen that push tangibly change is that now Baylor itself is making a push 
to get more of these women-owned business, minority businesses on campus serving their students and getting to participate in events like Sing or uh, Dia del Oso. And this is just more exposure for these Latino and, and other smaller community businesses to get in the mix with all these Baylor kids. Yeah, you know, it's awesome to see the giants of Waco, as I would put it, um, you know, the city of Waco and Baylor University caring about our local businesses and our minority and women-owned business enterprises here and opening up different opportunities. And I think that's going to have a trickle-down effect within Waco. I think we're seeing a huge transformation. So Baylor is putting um, a whole lot of efforts to get the word out about uh, getting minority and women-owned businesses signed on as suppliers. And that's, you know, caterers, that's um, paper companies, staple companies, construction companies, that's that's all facets of whatever Baylor is purchasing. So we're trying to get the word out about that resource. We just um, recently had an event with the Hispanic Chamber bringing all female entrepreneurs together to talk to them about We All Win and that grant money that's available, the resource of Baylor that's available. And currently, uh, the African-American Chamber has a minority equity fund that's available for minority businesses if it's 51% or more minority owned. And they are working on getting the Hispanic Chamber plugged in with that as well. Um, So we're just really trying to get the word out about all these amazing resources in Waco. This recent event was just a mixer for all female entrepreneurs to get in the room together, and it was great. I mean, there were some really inspiring folks here um, in Waco and new faces in that room, so it was just great to learn from so many different people. We're doing a few events this month. Um, that was one of them, doing Café Bandulce to you know, have a networking group and talk to them about some of these resources. And then um, we're doing a We All Win, what well, we just did, a We All Win conference with a, a group of panelists like Eddie from Lalos, and um, we also have uh, Elaine Botello from Victory Employer Services, Daisy Barrera from 25th Street Furniture, and all these other wonderful people. There are just so many great small business inspiring people uh, like Devin Lee. I mean, he is um, he and Jia Jia Chen creating Cha community and creating this community space where you don't have to feel like you put on a mask or have to change any part of yourself when you walk in the door. Um, <laughs> when I stepped into this role, um, Cha community was al- already really active with the Hispanic Chamber. And so I was excited to get to know Devin and Shaja. And my husband, I mean, I don't know, what's the male term for fangirling. <laughs> I mean, he was so excited to know that I knew Devin Lee. He's like, he's the golden boy of entrepreneurs. He's a golden child. You know, he's everyone wants to know Devin. He's so great at, you know, getting small businesses together and scaling a small business. So there's so many inspiring folks. Daisy Barrera is part of our board um, at the Hispanic Chamber. She owns 25th Street Furniture. She has her finger on the pulse of everything happening on 25th Street. Like she is I call her the godfather of 25th Street. Nothing moves without her knowing. So we have all these wonderful entrepreneurs. So, Andrea, let me get you out of here on this. The Hispanic Chamber has had great leadership. Your predecessor, Alfred Solano, did a wonderful job. I wonder, and this might be a little bit difficult for you because I'm asking you to brag on yourself, but what are you going to be able to do in this role that others weren't? What's the special sauce that Andrea can bring that's going to improve outcomes for all these minority businesses who get to interact with Hispanic Chamber? Well, I have to say um, a lot of 
the work came before me uh, with Joe Rodriguez and every challenge that he faced to bring to bring a Hispanic chamber to Waco, Texas, um, and with Alfred, who took a lot of the events and started making them float. Um, now I'm just taking that last like that last leg of okay, we'll continue these wonderful things and we'll just make the rest of our events float and we will show we'll continue showing that our, our members matter to us. Andrea, if people want to know how to get in touch with the chamber and know about your events, where to find you, how can they do so? Our Facebook is Syntex Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and you are welcome to drop us a line or a comment on there or on Instagram. And then we have our website, WacoHispanicChamber.com, and you can find us at 25 North or in our member spaces this year. Thanks again to Andrea Kosar of the Syntex Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and to you, for tuning in to episode 143 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can catch me in between episodes if you're looking for content about Waco business news on Facebook and Instagram. And join me back here on 103.3 FM for another conversation with an inspiring small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen the first Friday of February. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business.